The first reading is taken from Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2. Page 72. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he's highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. <laughs> the second reading is taken from Joshua. Verses 1 to 9, that's page 216 of the Church Bibles. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, God's aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, or the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I have, com have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Let's, um, let's pray. Through the written word, Lord, and the spoken word, may we truly know your living word in our lives today. Amen. Good morning. So I, um, I finished the sermon earlier than expected. Um, normally I'm like Saturday evening, you know, really. I got it done by Wednesday this week, which was excellent. Um, and whilst that seems really good, actually it's one of the hardest sermons I've prepared mainly because, well, three reasons. As Tim said, the weather, oh, this week is so good. And the last thing I want to do is sit in the study and you know, type away and Google away, and it's just not what I wanted to do, so I just crashed through it. Reason number two, as Tim has said, the World Cup is on. <laughs> so every evening from 7 p.m., you know, whatever the team is, it's just so good to watch live football. Um, I will, uh, yeah, we'll be done way in time for one o'clock. Um, <laughs> Reason number three, and this is, this is a bit of a, an insight um, into me, I struggle, really struggle to sit still. Um, 
What I mean is I always want to be on to the next thing all the time. I'm always thinking of what's next. If you ask um, Kirsty, my wife, this would usually be, almost always, before the last thing has been completed. Um, I just love, I love the prospect of a new project, of the next thing to do. And to illustrate this point, Pete, have you got that slide? Here, here are a list of things, many projects that I've yet to undertake <laughs> or you know, complete. But one day, I'm going to get around to doing some of them. So you might, they might be quite hard to see some of these things. Let me explain, because these are all awesome. Top left is like a little table, like a rocket, really cool. That's, that's like a rocket bedside lamp, and there's some stuff for the garden, and I like some tools things. So that one there, bottom left, one up, is organized tools in nice drawers with cut-out bits of foam and stuff. Um, and then there's some other things for, for around the house and whatnot. Anyway, these are all things I want to do. There are two that I'm really excited about one day doing. So Pete, the first one, this. This is a Kickstarter project. I'm not sure if you can buy this yet, it's awesome, isn't it? So it's like a fold-up slide all wraps back up into a big block at the top of your stairs. Now, I thought of this about... I didn't think of this. I saw this on Kickstarter and thought, yes, that's for us, um, about two and a half years ago. Now, since then, we've moved house. So the bottom of our stairs now doesn't just go to the front door. It hits a wall. So now <laughs> I need to try and come up with a sort of a bend or some way to sort of make it... <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to work. The other project, Pete, you have the next one. The other project I want to do is this. It's a toilet roll holder. How cool is that? <laughs> it's a toilet roll holder made out of concrete, okay? So you don't want to put it right above you when you're sat <laughs> on the toilet. But it's just like the shape of a cloud. It just makes toilet roll holding much more interesting, I think, from what you can buy out there. <laughs> the other thing is it's really expensive, like 150 quid or something. It's like it's concrete. So that's on my list. I've actually started that one. You'll be pleased to know. That one should hopefully be complete in the next few years. Um, <laughs> now, you might be sat there thinking, Matt's got some really cool ideas, really cool projects that he's going to do. If that is, come and talk to me at the end, and we can, um, we can just spend hours talking about them one day, maybe complete them. Um, but you're probably more likely sat there thinking, Matt, tell us, why is it? Why is it you find yourself unable to complete the last project before moving on to the next? And that'd be a good question. After many hours thinking about the answer, I came back to an example that happened recently. Now, a few weeks ago, there was, there was a knock at the front door, and Kirsty was home, and she swings the door open, and she's, she sees a healthy-sized-looking brown box, and then to the delivery driver, she says, what, what's this then? To which the reply comes in a, as I understand it, a likely sympathetic tone of, it's, uh, it's more tools, love. <laughs> Uh, let me explain. Back in 2010, Kirsty and I had uh, we had a couple of guinea pigs. This is this is pre-children phase, you know, when you go through that whole pet thing. Um, many of you have been there, I'm sure. These were indoor guinea pigs, but of course they they loved it when they were let outside and they could run around. But to do that, you need a bit of a safe place, so they needed a, a run. Now you can go and buy a guinea pig run from Pets at Home for 70 quid, or you know, and they're, and they're nice, they're well-made, they're well-reviewed. Or you can get a B&Q and get all the material you need for, like, 50. And I hate paying more for something when I reckon I can make it myself. So I went to B&Q, I bought all that I needed, I took a long weekend so I could construct the run using only a hammer 
some pliers that I bought especially to cut the chicken wire, and some nails, and, um, and I bring, bring Kirsty outside, and I present her the run. And she says, well, there's no way they're going in that. <laughs> it's a death trap. And I was pretty deflated, to be honest. Um, but to be fair, the, yeah, the likelihood of injury was pretty high. And as many of you may very well understand, I just didn't have the right tools. So on that delivery day, yes, it was another tool in the box. Um, and it turns out, actually, after a few years now of building up a pile of the right tools, I've got the right tools now, I've also realized I've got pretty limited skills. Um, <laughs> but, and this is the good thing, there is an answer to that, and the way to acquire skills nowadays is just quite simply YouTube. YouTube is the way that you acquire skills nowadays. So the biggest benefit of YouTube is that that we can watch the same video over and over and over again. And admittedly, it ends up growing my list of uncompleted projects exponentially, because they've got that little sidebar that says, oh, have you thought about making one of these as well? Um, which I usually haven't, that goes on the list. Um, but now I can be told many times how to do something, and I can have the same message delivered over and over and over again, and eventually I'll get it, it'll sink in, and then I'm ready. And then, the biggest leap is that courage to go and do it yourself. Now, the definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. It's bravery, fear and courage go together. And whilst I'm not scared of, of making something I've seen on YouTube, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm anxious about wrecking that nice piece of wood that I've got, or perhaps injuring myself or a guinea pig. And you know, whether it's a, a video on the smallest bit of DIY, or a video about parenting advice, or maybe about football skills or fashion tips, makeup tutorials, I've seen them all. Whatever you might be watching on YouTube, courage is required to follow through, isn't it? To learn from the video, to listen from that, and then to actually go and act and to implement what it is you're watching. Unless you're watching these like 100 Greatest Fail videos, and in which case you don't, don't follow it at all. But our passage today in Joshua, it's all about courage and strength. It's all about how to handle those fears in our lives, whether they're small or big, whether they're their work, whether they're relationships, whether they're family or friends or organizing a mass exodus to a promised land. It's, it's a user manual for the anxieties and fears we face in our lives. So let's take a look. As we said, the reading is on page 216, if you want to follow. So, the reading is, is right at the beginning of Joshua. But it's worth a bit of context to all this. The book of Joshua marks the fulfillment of God's promises. God's promise to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and to the promised land. A promise given to Moses, and then completed through Joshua. And in the book, the tribes of Israel, they unite as a single people, they conquer the land of Canaan, they tackle Jericho, they cross the Jordan, all these amazing feats. Now our reading today starts right at the beginning of the book, and the first thing we read is that Moses is dead. Now this was a, a Hollywood blockbuster, the emotion is laid on right from the first scene, isn't it? It was the kind of like, hey, do you remember in the last film, Deuteronomy, when I killed off your favorite character? That's all, just reminding you, that this sequel, he's dead. Joshua had been with Moses, he'd been his assistant for 40 years, whilst they'd been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. Anyway, Moses is dead, 
And Joshua is now leader. And being leader, being leader is great, isn't it? Really great. Let's think about this. It could be seen as a pretty unenvious position, couldn't it, for Joshua? Think of the shoes he has to fill. Moses could speak to God through a burning bush. He, he brought people out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea with a stretch of his rod. He brought water out of a rock. He's a pretty tough act to follow. And not only that, the people that he's leading, they complain, they moan, they wish they were back in Egypt. Not only that, he needs to lead them to the promised land, which is currently occupied, defeat the enemy. He's, he's got quite a few years ahead of him. But God has commanded, and Joshua is leader, so lead he will. Now, before we really explore the reading, there are two things that I think are worth mentioning that add even more weight to Joshua's current situation. Firstly, at this point, Joshua is about 90. Is anyone here older than 90? Nearly 90? Yes. (laughs) Congratulations. You are now our our new leader. Your first job as leader is to head down to Pulteney Bridge to get into the water, start making some waves. It's it's amazing, isn't it? It's encouraging, isn't it? At whatever stage in life you are, God still has a plan for you. God is not finished with you. So we have a 90-year-old. The other thing that amazes me is the number of people that he's leading. So, little pop quiz, how many cities are there in the UK with a population over a million? I'll give you some time, process that. How many cities in the UK have a population over one million? 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. Let's name them, shall we? Number one, London. London. Number two, there is no number two, that's it. There's only one city in in the UK with a population (laughs) over a million. And it's London. The last census had Birmingham at 985,000. So let's assume 10 years ago, maybe they're over a million. Who knows? Depends how appealing Birmingham is. Um, There's only one. uh, In side note, unrelated. In the US, how many do you reckon? 23, I think there's like nine. I think nine. China? It's like 125. Ridiculous. Anyway, the sheer number of people that Joshua has to navigate, firstly across a massive river, is estimated to be one to two million people. One to two million people. I don't know about you, but whenever I think of the Exodus, in my head, it's always been sort of like five to ten thousand people, you know, like feeling of five thousand, that sort of that sort of number, five, ten thousand. One to two million. We are talking about a ninety year old Joshua basically walking up to the bull ring in Birmingham and saying, follow me, I know where the promised land is, and it is not Birmingham. We are heading to Bath, or Insert City, all of Birmingham then listening and going, oh, okay, yeah, leave Birmingham. Thankfully, that isn't the case. So we have a new leader who is mature in his years, being given the most immense of tasks. And you have to think that Joshua, in all of his humanness, must have wondered, Am I really up to this challenge? Is there any way I can take and fulfill this assignment that I've been given, that I've been given by God? He must have felt massive fear at this point. And in the reading today, we're going to spend a few minutes now just reading about where Joshua got the strength and the courage from to lead, and also think about what this means for us today. 
say, where does strength, where does it come from? Firstly, strength comes from God. It comes from God on assignment. Strength isn't something we just turn on. We don't wake up and say, right, I'm going to have a strong day today. We don't serve lunch strongly and courageously read bedtime stories. We are strong. We demonstrate strength when it's required of us. We are courageous for something. Now, Moses' death is a big deal for the people of Israel. The main man is gone, but to God, this doesn't matter. In verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And these people, they are experiencing their worst fear. They are to step into a new land and battle the enemy all without Moses. But God is comforting them in their grief and fear with loving truth. Verse 2, again, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. He calls him his servant. Moses is dead, but he was only a servant sent by your God, and your God will not die, and his promises will never expire. Got it? It's not about Moses. It's about the Lord and him saying, I will never leave you. No time for grieving. He carries on straight away. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. The mission continues. He tells Joshua explicitly what he told Moses. God's promises still live. No matter how bleak the moment, God will never forsake his word to them or to you. So firstly, strength comes from God. Strength comes from an assignment from God. Secondly, strength comes from a comfort in God's presence. In verse 5, it says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He says, there will be great armies to conquer and battles to fight, but I've already taken the land for you. As it says in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Joshua can take comfort because every step he's making, God is with him, and he knows God will not fail him ever. But Joshua can't just sit back and chill. He is human, and he's going to be going into battle. He's going to be enduring hard times and long journeys, and he needs to summon strength to carry on, and the strength he needs will come from the Lord. God knows the challenges we are to face ahead. If he is commanding us to be strong and courageous, it's not as some sideline mascot or cheerleader like before, you know, it's not, it's not before a big game going, be strong, buddy, you got this. He's not saying, dig deep, you got it inside of you. He's saying, you're going to need me. He means be strong in the strength of the Lord. In Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Joshua's human strength was not going to be enough. God was going to win the battles for his people. Joshua needed to trust in the strength of God to meet his needs as he went to battle the enemy. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm coming up to something fearful, whether it's a a presentation or an interview or a family occasion, I'm kidding, it's only because my parents are at the back. Um, 
Whenever I ask God for strength, whenever I trust the situation to him, at a minimum, I get sort of an instant sense of calm or some resolve about the situation, perspective. This interview, this presentation, it's not life and death. It's just me talking to a load of other people who I work with who have lives, they have families. That's all it is. God brings instant perspective and he brings calm. Be strong, he says. It's not going to be easy. But I'll be here and you can rely on me. Philippians 4.13, such a well-known verse, reminds us of that comfort and strength that comes from God. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So strength comes when we have an assignment from God, a calling. And secondly, strength comes from a comfort in his presence. We are strong because we know he is with us. And thirdly, strength comes from determination. Strength comes from continuing, from persevering. The passage today is is split into two distinct chunks. The first six verses are all sort of, here's what I'm going to do for you deliver the promised land, etc. And then verse 7 to the end, however, a more kind of, here's what you're going to do for me. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what you're going to do for me. I'm sure many will relate, whether you're a teacher or a parent or a co-worker, there are times when something just needs to get done. I think of recent examples with um, our kids, Rupert and Felicity, when trying to get their shoes on as being a battle, but you know that the end result i.e. going out to play outside or run around in the mud, is totally worth it. I've got the foresight, I've got the perspective to know this, but to them, it's something else to have to do. You might have already told them what the goal is, but there are times when we just lose sight of it, when we're required to show strength. We are going to get tired. We are going to feel like we want to give up, feel like we want to give in, but we must stay the course. It says from verse 7, Obey the law. Do not turn from it. Meditate on it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. One commentator wrote, God is not able to steer a parked car. It's up to us to take our feet off the brake. The wind will only blow when you put up the sail. When God places a call on our lives, however big or small, We know that it's for a good reason, but he doesn't just leave us to it. He sticks by us. He gives us the strength we need, and he shows us that when we come to him, when we meditate on his word, we will succeed. Now, at the end of the first chapter, we read again the words, be strong and courageous. After this word from God, Joshua went to deliver the message to the people. And what's brilliant is they responded to him. So reading from verse 16, it says this. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. As I say, these people were experiencing the worst grief. Now, they became means of courage and strength for Joshua. We rely on strength from God, but as it shows at the end of chapter one, we can also be that strength for someone else. So I'd ask you this morning, is there anyone you know of, any circumstances or situations 
they're facing where to hear the word, to be strong and courageous would be a great comfort. To know that God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So just think about perhaps this week. What is God asking you to do? What's the assignment from God that you've been given? What's the battle you're facing? Where are you tempted to be afraid? Where are you prone to be discouraged? Who needs to know and feel the unending strength and courage that comes from God in their lives today? I want to finish by reading Isaiah 43, 1-2, which goes like this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. The Lord is our strength. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your never-ending strength. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for calling us by name and guiding us with your fair hand. Help us, Lord, to see you in all things, to recognize and hear your call in our lives. Help us to know how and when to give your strength to others and encourage us to keep coming back to you again and again. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.